Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews throughout the 2018-2019 basketball season. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. While it was not the start to the season that these young Shockers wanted, it is great to have college basketball back. On today's show, we'll get Taylor's thoughts on the season-opening loss to Louisiana Tech. We'll also preview Friday's Veterans Classic matchup with the Providence Friars. To help us preview the Friars, we'll be joined by Mike Hopkins, who covers the team. All that and more on this week's Talk Angry. The Talk Angry Podcast is brought to you by Forge Audio Productions. For all your audio and music production needs, Forge Audio is ready to deliver the highest quality production that serves the artist. To receive a free consultation or quote from Brian, visit www.forgeaudioprod.com. That's www.forgeaudioprod.com. Or follow the studio on Facebook or Instagram. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. The Shockers started the season with a 71-58 loss to Louisiana Tech. It was the first home opening loss since 1995. A 12-0 run in the first half by Louisiana Tech gave them the lead, which they never surrendered in the second half. Taylor, these last few years when we've had to cover Shocker losses, which have been few and far between, you could usually point to one specific thing. Maybe they got out-rebounded. Maybe they didn't shoot well from the free-throw line. Maybe the defense was struggling. You could just about pick a topic in this game. It was a struggle really from start to finish. I think there were flashes where you could definitely see signs of promise, but also a young team that you know still has a little work to do. So what, what were your overall thoughts on the game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is just a, a young team trying to find its way. You know, they, they're playing a ton of guys that are, you know, that was their very first Division One basketball game. And uh, I looked back in about a third of the game, they had four guys out there that had never played D1 before on the, the court at the same time. So that's that's really tough to win. Uh, Louisiana Tech, I thought, played very well. Daquan Bracey was, was excellent. Uh, the best player on the floor probably that game. And, you know, Louisiana Tech, that's not a, you know, that's not a pushover. That's, that was always going to be the case coming into this season. Uh, very strong conference and Conference USA. Uh, I mean, look at what Marshall did to, to Wichita State in the last year's NCAA tournament. You know, Conference USA is, you know, not a joke. And, uh, you know, Louisiana Tech is, you know, that's probably a team that's going to win close to 20 games this year, maybe push for the NIT if, if they don't win their conference tournament and make it to the NCAA. So, I mean, that's a, that's a very strong t- uh, test for a, a very young Wichita State team. Uh, like you said, there, there are positives. There are things that Wichita State did well in flashes, uh, maybe not anything consistently. I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was Wichita State getting out-rebounded uh, by 11 at home. You just never really see that, and they, they got you know pretty thoroughly outworked. Uh, with the percentages as well so you don't see that very often Uh, coach Marshall was upset about that after the game and you know if there was one thing that that this team you know was going to be a new identity all all the all the way but if there was one trait that that you know coach Marshall could have picked to carry over it would have been that a great rebounding team like all of his teams at Wichita State have been and you know that just wasn't the case on on Tuesday night. 
You had your five takeaways from the game at Kansas.com, and one of the main points was if this team's really going to have any success this year, they're probably going to have to get more production from their two seniors. Marcus McDuffie and Samaje Haynes-Jones were 5 of 24 from the floor in a brutal 1 of 12 behind the three-point stripe. You know, we saw this in the exhibition against Catawba as well. It seems like they're pressing right now. So what do they need to do to maybe work better through the offense, or do you think it's more of a there's so many new players out there to get adjusted to and it's more of a team-building thing? Or what, what exactly do we need from the seniors right now? Yeah, they just need a you know better shot selection. That's that's what it comes down to. And you know a lot of uh, Samaje's shots. I mean, they are you know end of the shot clock where he's having to create, and uh, maybe that's okay if he settles for a jump shot then. But then again, you know a lot of his shots as well. You know, come early in the shot clock. Not a lot of passing. Kind of those quick trigger uh, threes and. Uh, Tuesday night, the, just none of them went down. I mean, he, he missed all eight of his jump shots, and uh, Marcus had a, a struggle uh, with his jump shooting as well. And I think the biggest thing for them, they just need to see some of these shots go down. And, you know, they are pressing some of these. Some of these are, you know, bad, contested, rush shots. But then again, you know, Marcus had a lot of good looks against Louisiana Tech. Wichita State's running a lot of actions with him, setting the screen, and then he can slip it. Uh, to the top of the perimeter, and he's getting good looks, and uh, they're just not going down right now for him, but, you know, I think once he makes one, uh, this goes for Samaje too, I think once they, they see those shots start to go in and, you know, revert back to the average, right now they're, the jump shots just aren't falling, but once they do, I think you're going to see them stop, you know, forcing it and stop, you know, pressing as much as they are right now, so they just need, uh, you know, a good start early in the game, and it, I mean, I think it once they once they start missing, it kind of snowballs almost on them. And I think if they just have a good start to the game, the shot selection is going to be much better. We saw Louisiana Tech press for most of the game, whether it be a full court or a three-quarter court press. They were able to take about five to ten seconds off of the shot clock for the Shockers every single time. We saw the Shockers struggle with the press some in last year as well. So my question for you, is this more due to they're playing athletic teams in the AAC and, and certainly yesterday with Louisiana Tech, or is there something maybe on the execution uh, that they need to do as far as beating the press? Yeah, I mean, this is a team that doesn't really have, you know, the the you know the prototypical point guard. Uh, you know, Samaje is, you know, height wise, he he fits the bill, but he's just he, he doesn't see the floor like a point guard, uh, like a, I guess a, a pass first point guard. I mean, he's he's usually looking for a shot. Uh, Ricky Torres could have been that guy, um, but he's been kind of invisible so far for the Shockers. Uh, hasn't really created very much for anybody. Uh, and then Jamarius Burton, uh, he's looked really nice as a freshman, a big body. Uh, I really like his game and how he creates out of the pick and roll. But as far as just initiating the offense, uh, running sets, I don't know if he's you know somebody you can lean on this early in his career. Um, so you know, Wichita State doesn't is kind of operating right now without someone. You know, they don't have a, a point guard leading the way and getting them into their sets. And, you know, like you mentioned that Law Tech, I mean, they, they put that, that press on. Uh, Wichita State's offense, I mean, they weren't getting into their sets until, you know, uh, 21, 20, 19, 18 seconds left on the shot clock. And, you know, if their first or second option is not there, you know, they're going into breakdown mode already and, you know, settling for a contested jump shot. So um, it worked very effectively against Wichita State. Uh, but I think, you know, as the season goes along, as Wichita State gets more experience, 
I think uh, there there were chances to attack that press last night that they they, they kind of pulled back on others when they went full ahead and um, we saw McDuffie. I mean, he kind of served as a, a good kind of press breaker back there when when WSU worked the ball up quick and he got the the chance to attack one on one against a big guy. He had some success success there. So um, you know. Just like, I mean, every part of Wichita State's game, flashes of good, flashes of bad, that's just something that they're going to have to learn from. Let's talk about those flashes specifically in relation to the newcomers. We saw Eric Stevenson and Dexter Dennis. They were actually the only two in double-digit scoring yesterday. Those two went 6 of 10 from 3. I I know we can't hit on every single newcomer, but as far as these flashes are concerned when it comes to the exhibition in this game against Louisiana Tech, obviously the overall play hasn't looked great, but who are some of the newcomers that you've been most impressed with? Yeah, Eric Eric Stevenson graded out to be the best one that I saw. Uh, you know, obviously everyone knows the the four three pointers. Yeah, he had the roundhouse rocking uh, there in the second half. Uh, people like his intensity, uh, his hustle. Um, you know, he still has some freshman lapses on defense, but overall, uh, very impressed with with how he gets after it on the defensive end and and just competes on every possession. I've been impressed with him. Jamarius Burton's probably been the second best. Uh, if not the best, uh, he had kind of a rough game, four turnovers. That was kind of unusual to see him make after, I mean, he played like a senior in the exhibition game, but he had some freshman mistakes in uh, the season opener, uh, but took three great looks, made all three of them, uh, dished out five assists, played great defense. Uh, this kid is very mature. I think he's going to be an instant impact guy. And then uh, you mentioned Dexter Dennis. Uh, you know, missed all his shots in the exhibition, uh, came out hot against La Tech, made two threes early on. But after that, it was like it was kind of a struggle, uh, you know, four for nine from the free throw line. Uh, you know, WSU struggled so much from the free throw line and Dexter missed, you know, five and nine. And then he misses uh, his, his final six shots of the game too. Uh, had three turnovers. So, um, you know, kind of a up and down performance from him. Uh, the shooting stroke looks nice. Still waiting for him to, to use that athleticism and get to the rim. Uh, right now he's just a jump shooter pretty much on offense. So I uh, need him to use that athleticism and, and attack the rim. And then the other three, uh, Mo Udezi, uh, Isaiah Portbear Chandler, Chance Moore, just not enough time on the court to, to really get a good look from any of those guys. The Shockers missed 15 free throws, and they forced 18 turnovers by Louisiana Tech, but only scored 10 points off of those turnovers. So if you just look at those two stats right there, just little execution things, and really, Wichita State, with all of that we said, still should have came out on top here. So moving forward, looking to these next few games or the rest of the non-conference slate, do you think the team will be able to easily shore up some of these things, or will it be you know, some growing pains throughout the most of the year? Yeah, I went back and looked at uh, I kind of graded the shot quality of every time that Wichita State, Wichita State took a shot, and they actually came away with a lot of really good, open, clean looks, and they just didn't make them. Uh, by my count, they had seven wide-open three-pointers, they didn't make any of them. They went 0 for 7. They missed four bunnies inside. Obviously, the two by Asbjorn and uh, Jaime had one on a on a slip that he could have made, and then Eric had one, kind of like a one-handed push shot that was uh, pretty wide open by the basket. And you know, those are a lot of points left on the board. And you know, I think uh, kind of goes back to what I was saying about Samaje and Marcus. Just the jump shots just aren't falling right now. And uh, Coach Marshall actually alluded to that uh, in Monday's press conference. He said that we have a lot of young guys that just aren't consistently making wide open shots right now and uh, that kind of translated to the game and uh, they didn't hit as many wide open shots as they needed 
And then they took, you know, by my count, 14 really bad shots that were contested or rushed, and uh, they didn't make any of those. So, you know, what what could have been a, a pretty solid offensive performance was dragged down by those things. And I think, uh, you know, if they can cut back on those, those you know, rushed, contested shots and you make a little bit more, you know, as we were to make those bunnies inside, they start making those open three-pointers. I think the, the roadmap is there for, for this team to have a good offense and, and, you know, get back to, you know, it's not going to be like what it was last year, but, you know, there's some there's some nice shooting on this team, and I think uh, they have a chance to, to you know, still be a, a good offensive team and a good defensive team too. I don't want to take any credit away from Louisiana Tech, but they certainly gave the Shockers plenty of opportunities to get back in this game, just never really seemed to be able to get on a consistent run and capitalize. My biggest concern after seeing last night's game is actually with regards to the big men, Uh, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that. You posted all of the grades per player as far as efficiency-wise on Twitter today, and Echenique was actually one of the more efficient players on the team, but struggled with foul trouble. But when you look at the big men as a whole, you know, maybe who needs to step up. Midgard seems to be in good position at times, but maybe isn't quite a finisher. Poor Bear Chandler seemed to struggle a little bit with rebounding last night. Once again, very first Division One game, certainly understand, but what would you like to see more from the big men? Yeah, Ichinike was uh, by far the best big man of opening night. Uh, I mean, you could tell from the box score alone, you know, 8.7 rebounds, uh, you know, a block, uh, just really made a big impact. I mean, he was plus 7 and the plus minus uh, only only uh, one other shocker was was plus on the game, but uh, when I peeled back and looked at the advanced numbers, I mean it was pretty alarming just how much of a difference he made for Wichita State's offense. He played 23 offensive possessions. WSU scored at 1.04 points per possession, which was well above their game average. And then the other 51 possessions that he wasn't on the floor, they were down at 0.67, which is pretty atrocious, and that's. 51 possessions of the game, so that's not very good. Um, Ichinike made a huge impact on that game. I really love the way that how hard he rolls after setting a screen. Uh, very active cutter. I think uh, that draws a lot of attention. And you know, if he doesn't get the the slip pass, then he's in great position for an offensive rebound. So uh, we saw him scoring a couple putbacks. So I think uh, he he really made an impact after you know not really making one in the exhibition game and. Uh, the other three were pretty, you know, not a lot of positives. Uh, Asbjorn, I thought he, uh, you know, everyone's going to remember the two missed bunnies, and that's going to drag his performance down in a lot of people's minds. But he actually had a great, uh, what I thought, defensive performance. He he was a great rim protector, um, contested six shots, forced five misses from Louisiana Tech. So um, if that's his number one job, to protect the rim, he did an excellent job. Uh, still some concerns with, you know, his defense on, you know, uh, smaller, quicker centers. So we'll see how much he can play going forward. But uh, and then Mo Udeze, uh, not a lot to remember from this game. And poor Bear Chandler um, missed three box outs, gave up three offensive rebounds in, in his short amount of time. So uh, what Wichita State needs from these guys is defense and rebounding. And right now it's not getting very much of either outside of, you know, bits and pieces and especially not enough rebounding. I mean, these guys have, for a second straight game, had a huge size advantage inside and, and did not take advantage of it. 
It was a for- forgettable night at Coke Arena. We'll certainly turn the page, and I think the most exciting thing will be watching this team grow throughout the year. We'll go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Mike Hopkins, who covers the Providence Friars for PCBB1917.com. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. We'll get our next view of these young Shockers on Friday as they travel to Annapolis, Maryland to take on the Providence Friars in the 2018 Veterans Classic. The Friars are coming off their fifth straight NCAA tournament appearance under head coach Ed Cooley. And to help us preview the matchup, we're joined now by Mike Hopkins, who covers the team for PCBB1917.com. Mike, how are you today? Good. How are you guys doing? We appreciate you taking the time with us. The Friars come in with high expectations this season. How'd you think they looked last night in the victory over Siena? Well, I think they looked pretty good. Uh, I know there were some people that were a little concerned about the score being a little tight, but I, I never felt like the the game was really out of their control, even when Siena got close towards the end. I think it only got to seven. And I think overall, considering the fact that Providence is fairly young and they did start two freshmen which is pretty uh, unusual um certainly for ed cooley um aj reeves looked obviously phenomenal 29 points he uh, set the freshman record for most points in the first game blew away the record of 17 so uh, i think they they look pretty good uh definitely a couple things to clean up on the defensive end they didn't probably rebound as, as well as they should have considering that they had a pretty decent size advantage, and the turnovers were probably a little high for what Ed Cooley would like. But I think overall, for a first effort to play, I think they played 11 guys, uh, maybe 12 guys. So um, I think coming into Friday night's game, I think they should feel pretty confident with uh, with how they opened up the season the other night at the dunk. Yeah, Mike, and you mentioned the two two freshmen in the starting lineup for Providence. That's something that that hasn't happened for almost two decades. There, um, tell us a little bit more about AJ Reeves and David Duke. Uh, what what do you like about these guys? And you know, is this Reeves? Uh, is that like a, a one game flash, or is this something where he could you know wind up leading this team and scoring? Is is this you know something sustainable? I guess. Well, I would say that um, on Reeves, he. It's, I mean, it's not going to be sustainable to shoot seven and nine from three, but that's sort of his game. He's a he's a pretty pretty significantly talented scorer. Um, his head coach at Primer in May, Tom Nelson, really worked with him very hard the last several years. He's always been a pretty highly touted recruit in the New England area. I think he was ranked one or two in New England um, in his class from the time he was a freshman. So. Uh, the expectations were always there with him. He had to mature a little, and he did, and he's grown into his body quite a bit. But interestingly, David Duke is the is the player that received preseason accolades from the Big East coaches. He was the co-freshman of the year with Javon Quinterly at Villanova. So uh, he didn't really do much the other night, uh, zero points in 20 minutes. But Duke was the more highly thought of player. He's a local kid from Providence. His family literally lives, you know, a few blocks away from campus. So it was an important recruit, but AJ Reeves committed first, uh, back in June. 
Um, so he, so they, they are, uh, the two of them are the future of the program, no doubt. Um, and they're going to have their ups and downs as most freshmen would. Uh, Reed certainly is going to be uh, a player that I think could lead the team in scoring. I don't think it'll happen this year, but he certainly has the ability to get hot like that. And uh, at, at Big East Media Day, Ed Cooley called him a young Paul Pierce. So he has a little bit of that game. Um, in addition to being able to shoot from behind the arc, he, he can take a player off the dribble, has a little bit of a post game. He, his signature play at Primer in May was his fadeaway. That was worked on pretty heavily, so he has a pretty all well-rounded game. David Duke probably the, has a higher upside in terms of maybe the NBA. He's further along than Chris Dunn was offensively at this point, Ed Cooley has said. So I think the two of them are, the, are certainly the future of the program, but I wouldn't necessarily try to get used to A.J. Reeves going for almost 30. But uh, it certainly will happen more times over the next few years. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see how they respond to playing, even though it's not really on the road, it's still not going to be at home. So uh, interesting to see how they prepare and, and play against another a young team like Wichita State. You bring up the matchup on Friday. It has been quite some time since Providence College and Wichita State faced off. What type of style of play can we expect from Coach Cooley and the Friars on Friday? I think it'll be interesting. I really don't know. Um, Ed Cooley has sort of mixed and matched in his time at Providence, depending on the personnel and how things are going. If, if they start out, I mean, they shot the ball well right from the jump on, on Tuesday night, but if they start out maybe not, not as prolifically on offense, I could see them trying to slow it down a little, run a little more flex than, than uh, they did against Siena. Siena played a lot of zone. So, I think it'll be interesting to see how they respond. I, I, I don't think that you're going to see a lot of the 2-3 like Siena played against Wichita State. So I would expect them to be looking to push the pace a little bit, see how they start out on offense. But, you know, it's typically a motion offense, a lot of pick and roll. Uh, Alpha Diallo is uh, the kind of the, the, the key engine. He's the, the player that, that kind of does a little bit of everything. He can score the ball. He, he showed a very improved-looking jump shot on Tuesday night, which has kind of been his one weakness. Um, but he's kind of a playmaker at kind of a point-forward type 6-7 player. So they, they're just extremely versatile, and almost every player can be interchanged. Almost every player can be a ball handler, uh, except for maybe the two big guys in the front court with Emmett Holt, um, along with uh, playing at the four. And then you got Khalif Young and Nate Watson down at the five most of the time. So... Really, the key to Providence is interchangeability, versatility, that guys are just kind of playmakers. And that's, that's sort of been the philosophy that, that Providence and Ed Cooley and his assistants have, has, have recruited to try to bring in guys that are between 6'3 and 6'8 that can kind of play anywhere. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Alpha Diallo there. Um, so we know about the studs. Who else on this team at Providence? Who might be like an under under the radar guy that could swing the game on Friday? That you know isn't a big time guy, but is kind of like a role player that if he gets hot, uh, he could change the game. I think that's easy for me. It's Isaiah Jackson, uh, Richard Senior, transferred to Providence after one season at George Mason a few years back. Uh, he, had, he actually had a very good game on Tuesday, starting um, starting for the Friars. 16 points on six and nine, four assists, three rebounds. He kind of does a little bit of everything. He's kind of a prototypical glue guy. 
uh, about six six, can handle the ball a little, but I wouldn't necessarily call him point guard. He plays very aggressive physical defense, rebounds the ball. He'll he'll hit open threes. Uh, he's he's kind of the, the swing player. If he has a good game, and this was the case last year, so uh, I think that'll certainly be the case this year. When he played well, the team played well, um, and his his defensive ability can change a game if things aren't going well, he can come in and really play physical and, and force some action. But the thing that probably will be most interesting to see going forward for him this year is if he becomes a truly consistent three-point shooter. He was three or five against Siena the other night in 29 minutes. That kind of production from three will take his game to another level from being a glue guy to being kind of a, a secondary or, or tertiary scorer behind Alpha Diallo and combination of maybe AJ Reeves or Malik White or Emmett Holt or whoever the guy the other guy is going um I would also just say that Nate Watson is kind of a bit of an x-factor he's a sophomore big guy from down actually not far from the Annapolis area um he played he played uh he had 10 points uh in on Tuesday night five for five a lot of baskets uh made very close to the rim but he had no points in the second half. So he's sort of that player now where they're looking for consistency out of him. He struggles against the pick and roll. He's not rebounding well enough for his size at this point. So those are kind of the, the enigmas that you might see that he, he could, they could decide that they're going to feed the ball in the post and he'll have 15 points or he'll have six points on just putbacks if, if he's, if they're, if they're not going. So really kind of a mixed bag there, but Isaiah Jackson to me is, is the key blue guy to watch. Last question for you, Mike. How have Providence fans reacted to the matchup with Wichita State, and is this a series that you'd like to see continue into the future? I think everyone was pretty excited when they first found out about the matchup. Unfortunately, Wichita State totally gutted uh, with uh, guys leaving early and and then some of the recruiting stuff going on where uh, Coach Marshall let let, uh, his his best recruit stay with with, uh, Memphis to stay home with Penny Hardaway. So, uh, unfortunately, not the best time probably for from Providence perspective to get this game. But I think a, a game like this could be a no-brainer, even if it's not on a neutral court. Some kind of a home-and-home, home, I think, would be beneficial for both programs going forward because I do think that Wichita State is going to going to bounce back from you know they're, they're very you guys are very young obviously right now. So um, I would I would think that this would be a series that uh, I know that Wichita State. Did a series with URI a number of years back at home and home. So that that kind of a thing. Providence has been trying desperately to increase their non-conference schedule and playing in events like the Veterans Classic, I think, is one way to do it. But it'd be nice to have some series uh, to go along with the one they had with the Big Ten and now the one they had with the Big 12. So I certainly would would think that most fans would be in favor of of a series with Wichita State going forward. Well, I think Wichita State fans would agree and think the AAC and Big East, as far as uh, basketball conferences, would, would certainly match up well there as well. So we appreciate you taking the time, Mike. The game will be broadcast at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central on Friday on the CBS Sports Network. That is the Veterans Classic coming to you from Annapolis, Maryland. Our listeners can follow Mike's work at PCBB. 1917.com. You can also follow him at PCBB1917 on Twitter. Thanks so much for the time, Mike. Thank you, guys. We'll move now into our preview of Friday's matchup between the Shockers and the Friars. The Friars come in at 1-0, and 
on the season. They defeated Siena 77-67 in their season opener. They shot 54.7% from the field and 52% from three. They're currently the number 52 team in the Kinpom poll, and they are receiving votes in the AP Top 25 poll. So I think Mike gave us a great... Uh, kind of overview of where they're at, uh, a young team similar to the Shockers, but maybe some higher expectations. They're also coming off a long NCAA tournament streak. So when you look at this matchup on Friday, Taylor, what do you see? Yeah, this is a really tough opponent for Wichita State, especially this early in the season. Uh, this would have been a great matchup last year uh, with the Shockers, with two probably NCAA tournament teams going at it, two top 50 teams. But you know, with the Shockers in clear rebuild mode, I mean, this is a really tough ask for for these young guys to go up to a, a neutral court, you know, on national television and and play. A, you know, I th- I think they're clearly a top 50 team. Uh, like you said, I mean, they're kind of on the borderline of a top 25. So uh, Providence has a lot of talent. Uh, they're experienced. They have a great coach in Ed Cooley. Um, so this is gonna be a very tough matchup. Uh, the good news is that you know this is it could be a, a team building. Uh, kind of a team bonding trip. Uh, I mean, they got to go to the White House on Wednesday and uh, do all these cool things in the Capitol. And uh, I think on Thursday morning they get to go and tour na- the Naval Academy and see what it's like to be, you know, part of the Navy and um, you know stuff like that. Going through that, that's only going to help this team come together and gel. Um, so that's you know that's a benefit regardless of how the game on Friday night goes. But you know this is another chance to, to for these young guys to. To be tested and see what it's like to you know play a really good team in Providence. Their best returning player is six seven junior guard Alpha Diallo. We heard uh, Mike talk a little bit about his game. He made the first team preseason All Big East. He also had a double double against Siena with sixteen points and eleven rebounds. Six nine junior forward Khalif Young and six six redshirt senior guard Isaiah Jackson were the other two starters in addition to Diallo and the two freshmen that we talked about earlier. When you look at Uh, you know, maybe where the Shockers need to improve the most from the game on Tuesday night versus Friday. Is it on the glass? Is it free throw shooting? Is it all of the above? What what do you think are the keys to the Shockers maybe being able to get an upset victory? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think the free throw stuff, I mean, that's something that that will come back to, you know, around average. Um, I think rebounding, that's that's the number one thing that Wichita State has to do. I mean, it has to to board out. Uh, It cannot give up, you know, double-digit offensive rebounds to, to Providence, even though they're really good. Uh, they're, a, they're a pretty good rebounding team. They grabbed a ton of offensive rebounds against Siena, almost, uh, I think it was 44% of the available offensive rebounds, so that's a, that's a ton. So this is going to be a big challenge for Wichita State. The bigs have got to be better. Uh, Marcus McDuffie, Samaje Haynes-Jones have got to be better. Uh, if those two, I mean, Wichita State's going to go as those two go, especially early on when, you know, Coach Marshall's kind of turning the reins over to those guys. So, you know, those two, it all starts with them. If they have great games, then Wichita State's going to be in this game. But, you know, if they combine to go 5 for 24 again, you know, this is probably going to be a, a blowout game. Siena actually outscored Providence by six points in the second half in their game on Tuesday. They also forced 15 Providence turnovers. The biggest thing that I noticed in the game when looking at the breakdown between Providence and Siena, Providence had 10 fast break points, Siena had zero. One thing I noticed in the game against Louisiana Tech, when the Shockers were able to get out and run a little bit, that led to some easy buckets on the offensive end, whereas when they slowed it down and got into this half court, particularly with the press of Louisiana Tech, the offensive 
offense maybe didn't look so good. So do you think this is a game where the Shockers need to get out and run maybe a little bit more? Yeah, and, uh, you know, the the downside of that is that, you know, maybe there's a few, you know, Louisiana Tech applied kind of a soft pressure that was just designed to, you know, take time off the, the shot clock. If Providence presses and uh, they actually, you know, press to, to try to steal the ball, and that could be a problem for Wichita State. I mean, you saw them struggle a few times uh, breaking that, that press of La Tech, and it took them a while to, you know, it took them until the, the eighth or ninth second to get the ball past half court, so... Um, that could be an issue, but then again, you know, like I said, uh, when they break the press, and uh, I like that what they're doing with Marcus McDuffie, having him be the the one back and putting the center in the, in the middle of the court to be kind of the the, the pivot man, and uh, once they get the ball up to Marcus, and that puts him a one on one, usually against a big guy, and where he can go. Uh, you know, ISO and, and try to create a shot at the rim. He had a couple of times where he did that well. And, um, you know, that that is an opportunity for Wichita State. They just have to take care of the ball and, and not turn the ball over and, uh, you know, avoid the atomic bombs that, that Coach Marshall talks about. And I thought they did a better job of that uh, compared to the exhibition. But, you know, you can't, can't afford uh, hardly any of those against a good team like Providence. We're going to do the last segment of the show a little different. No final four quickies. So instead, I'm going to ask you for your prediction right now. What do you got score-wise, Providence, Wichita State on Friday? I think this one's going to be, uh, you know, Providence, like I said, they're a very, very good team. Uh, Wichita State did not inspire much confidence on Tuesday. So I think this is going to be another learning lesson for the Shockers. I think uh, I'll take Providence 81-67. to I'll give you my prediction as well. Until I see the Shockers shoot the ball a little more consistently, it's hard to think they'll have the offense to be able to take down a team like Providence. I do think the Shockers will play better on the defensive end, and they didn't really play too bad against Louisiana Tech except for a few miscues. So I will say it's a lower-scoring game. I'll take Providence 71, Wichita State 65. All right, we'll take a quick break. Come back, wrap up the show with a contest in a new Talk Angry game. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. We will wrap up the show here to start off with a Talk Angry tradition. It is the Talk Angry contest coming back here early in the season, and it's our favorite contest we've ever done, and it's your best shocker nickname. This should be a great year to do this with all these newcomers. It could be any player. It can be Marcus McDunkey all the way down to one of these newcomers, a freshman. Send in your shocker nickname. You can tweet us at talk underscore angry. Hit us up up on Shockernet, Facebook, however you want to let us know. We also have email, talk underscore angry at yahoo.com. We'll read the best responses on air next week. Now, I mentioned a little excitement before the last break. Have a new Talk Angry game. The final four quickies have died. It is time for a new game. Producer Brian, tell us all about it. Rest in peace, right, quickies. So, so we're going to take this one from around the horn. We're going to do some buy and sell. I will give you a topic. You guys will either agree, you'll say bye, or you will sell if you don't like it. Leading scorer this season, will it be a freshman? Buy or sell? I'm going to sell that. I think uh, Samaje or Marcus leads the team in scoring this year. I'm going to sell that just the number of shots that I think McDuffie and Samaje will have in relation to the freshmen. If you've noticed how, at least early in the season, it's a constant rotation of the freshmen, but the seniors stay in for the most part, so I'll also sell. All right, so staying with the seniors, with their struggles, 
at least until they get them straightened out, should they be coming off the bench. I'm going to buy that for one of them. I think it's time to sit Samaje down for just a little bit. We need to have consistent play from the point guard position, have someone that's more uh, circulating the ball around to everyone. I think McDuffie, just from the history and and the talent that you've seen, particularly in his sophomore year, he has to say. So I'll do a little 50-50 there. I'll sell that. I think uh, the two-game sample size is just r- too small to, to make that, that kind of judgment. Uh, from what I've been told by the coaches, by players, by people in the program, these are the two best players consistently this whole summer. They've looked great in practice, and uh, they just, it hasn't translated to games yet. But I think uh, you know if, if they played that well for that long, I'm going to go ahead and and keep them in the starting lineup, uh, unless this is, you know, if this is December and we're still talking about it, then then maybe it's an issue. But for now, I'll, I'll sell that. All right. Now, Taylor, you did an article about a week ago looking for Wichita State's doppelganger in reference to how many minutes we're returning this season. So in that article, you said that the average for a, a team in that area was to get 18 and a half wins. So we're going to use that one as our next buy and sell. So Wichita State. They get more than 18 wins this season, buy or sell. I will buy that. I think in the the preseason, I I had them uh, at 19 wins. So I think it's going to be, granted, one of those wins was Louisiana Tech. So maybe I should rethink this. But um, I'm going to go ahead and say they, they rebound. Um, I think they it's not going to be this bad you know, for the whole season. I think Wichita State still has a tremendous home court advantage. And if they can take care of business at home, then I like their chances of winning 19 games. We might not need to keep that drop of Taylor. It's not going to be this bad for the whole season and just play that over and over and remind ourselves. I'm going to buy that as well. I think we're it's a little bit of an overreaction, you know, day after Monday morning quarterback, whatever you want to call it. You know, the game was not very pretty on the eyes the other night at Coke Arena, but still I think this team looks a lot better in March than it does currently. I think we see constant improvement even from the returning players in McDuffie and Haynes Jones, and so I'll, I'll buy that as well. All right, and finally, we saw a pretty poor rebounding effort last night, losing that the battle of the boards by 11. Wichita State, they ended the season with a negative rebounding margin, buy or sell. I'm going to sell that. It was a little frustrating to me that they actually had more size than Louisiana Tech, but they just got, uh, you know, kind of out-hustled out. Uh, they had more athleticism on the Louisiana Tech bench, but I, I just can't imagine a Greg Marshall coach team that would be that if, if he has to, to, to beat it into them. I'm, I'm sure they will. Yeah, I, I definitely sell that. Uh, in the Greg Marshall era, even in the first two seasons, Wichita State was was excellent. And in the, the Ken Palm era, uh, they have not been outside of the top 40 in, in rebounding. So um, they might not be top 40 this season, but I think they're still going to win the glass battle uh, most of these games. Great new game, and that was the idea of Producer Brian. We'll look forward to continuing that all season long. And that wraps up here this first show of the season. We encourage you to listen to the podcast anywhere you can find it, whether it's SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, through Twitter, social media, the website. We try and get it to you as many avenues as we can. And also, share it with a friend. There's a lot of Shocker fans out there that I think would love the content, hear the perspective from Taylor every single week. He's always putting out great work at Kansas.com, but it's great to hear it from the mouth of the beat writer sometimes. We'll continue to have 
great guests for you all year. And also to remember to rate us on those platforms. Five stars only. Five stars only, just like your Uber driver. We'll be back next week. We'll give you a preview of the Charleston Classic as the Shockers head out for the Thanksgiving tournament. They'll start with Davidson uh, next week, and we'll continue to bring you great coverage all season long.